Hello, everyone. I uh, hope you're all doing well. And uh, obviously, uh, Christmas is this week. So uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, and hope, um, yeah, during this Christmas season that uh, we're all being reminded of just uh, God's grace, God's love, and obviously the birth of, of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, uh, and I hope I pray that as we think about uh, who Christ is and uh, why he came into this world for us, that uh, we would obviously be just really blessed and really would just respond with worship uh, and thanksgiving. And and today, as we go into the passage, very classic passage in Matthew chapter 2, uh, before we do that, let me, let me just say a quick prayer for us, and uh, we'll go into the passage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again, for you are so good. We praise you. We worship you. Lord, we sang about Emmanuel, God with us. And Lord, as we think about who you are and all that you do, as we think about what Christmas means uh, for us and how it's just transformed our lives, uh, transformed the world, uh, we just pray that we will continue to be thankful and that during this Christmas season, that as we you know think about gifts and family and all those other things that come with Christmas as well, that we will first and foremost remember that Christmas is about Christ and that we would just really uh, worship you and honor you and just desire to live a life that truly honors and pleases you, Lord. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So again, um, we're in Matthew chapter 2 today. It's a classic passage. Um, this is after the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have in this passage the, you know, what we call the wise men, right? They're, they're here and they come to worship, right? If you look at the passage today, it says the wise men came from the east and they came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews, right? So they, they, they're coming and they're coming to, to worship. And in this passage, you know, we, we see them going to Jerusalem because they probably figured that's where the king should be, right? The king of the Jews should be in Jerusalem. And they can't find Jesus there. So they ask there, you know, where, where is the king of the Jews? We've come to worship him. And obviously they, they can't find him there, but they do. They do see Herod. And Herod, who is, uh, you know, he's, he's called the king of the Jews. And, and Herod is um, not really the king per se, but he is the ruler of that area. And he's called the king. You know, he's uh, under the authority of the Roman Empire, but he is the one in charge. And he... He doesn't like hearing about the king of the Jews because he wants to be the king of the Jews. And so he asks about where Jesus is. And, you know, he kind of finds out from other people that, you know, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And so he, he asked these wise men to, you know, to find out about, you know, where Jesus, or where the king of the Jews supposedly truly is. And, you know, he wants to get a report about this king of the Jews so that he could obviously... Uh, kill you know this threat to him but obviously the wise men don't go back to Herod they, they however do go to Bethlehem they find Jesus and we see just this great scene of these wise men just worshiping our savior and bringing gifts to our savior and it's a famous passage I'm sure we've all heard it I'm sure we've all thought about it and I'm sure we've seen the nativity scene and things like that and maybe we've seen Christmas plays and you know, we've had maybe the little children play the wise men and, you know, it's all, it's all nice. But as, as we look at this passage, uh, I do want to think about a few things today. And, and mainly there's really two points I want to make this, more, uh, this 
for this afternoon now. One is anticipating the king. I want to really think about how, you know, this the birth of our savior, you know, the the king, the king of kings being more being born. This was not something that just came out of nowhere. It was, you know, foretold, right? It was uh, the prophets of, of God, you know, they they prepared us for this. They they talked about this, they prophesied about this. And so it was, we want to talk about we want to look at the anticipation of the king. But then secondly, I want to look at this morning or this afternoon, the the response to the king, right? So the anticipation of the king first. And secondly, I would love to look at the the response that we see in this passage to the king. And so first thing is the anticipation of the king. Now we look at this passage and obviously we see, you know, the wise men visiting and all that. But as we think about the birth of our savior and right in the middle of this passage, we see in verse six of today's passage, we see a, a, a you know, a, it's a quote of a prophecy from the prophet Micah. And it reads, and you of Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And we see this prophecy that, that from Bethlehem, there will be, you know, a, a come a ruler, right? A, a ruler who obviously we know is Jesus. And we see a prophecy that the prophet Micah, you know, shared many, many, many years ago. And we see this in the Bible, um, just the Savior, Jesus Christ, right? The King, he is, he's expected, right? He is anticipated. You know, we think of even as far back as in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, where we see a, a prophecy by, of all people, Balaam. He was asked or he was told to, to curse the Israelites, but instead God makes him bless his people. And he says something that really resonates with our passage today. He says that a star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, right? He, he, he foretells, he, he prophesies about the coming king. You know, we, we think of a passage in Isaiah chapter 60 where we read, they shall bring gold and frankincense and they shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. And, and again, we see a prophecy where we're, we're, we're looking forward to the birth of our, our savior, our king. And obviously these wise men bringing gold and, and frankincense and these gifts to him. And so what we see in the Old Testament very clearly is we see a lot of prophecies, right? We see an anticipation of the coming Messiah, right? Of Christ, of, of the coming king, of our Lord, of our savior, of, of the suffering servant. And we see all of these things in the Old Testament pointing to Christ, even passages that are very specifically pointing to even what we read in today's passage. And I want to really think about that, how the coming of the King, the coming of our Savior, the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Christ himself is anticipated. It is expected. There's an excitement about it. And that's why when Herod asked the chief priests, when he asked the scribes, you know, where the Christ was to be born, it's so clear, right? They're, they're, they're able to just tell him, hey, look, it is written by the prophet. And you, of Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler, right? These scribes, right? These 
high chief priests, they, they know these passages. They know about the prophecy, right? Because it was anticipated in the Old Testament. And now we see in this passage in the book of Matthew, chapter one, chapter two, we see that it has come to fruition. It has come to pass that these prophecies have been fulfilled in the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's an exciting thing that this stuff just didn't happen. It was something that was part of the plan of God, part of his redemptive history. And as we read these things, obviously it's encouraging seeing that God has a plan. He has a plan for us. He has a plan for his people. He has a plan for the world. But the thing that I want to really emphasize today is as we look at this is, this is one of the reasons why we know that we can trust the promises of the scriptures. We trust the promises of God that are seen in the word of God. Why? Because we see that his promises will always come true. His prophecies will be fulfilled, right? Whatever God says will be done, will be done. And so when we see the promises, the prophecies of scripture, we read it with faith. We read it trusting that they will come to pass. We read it knowing knowing that whatever God says is true, is true. Everything God says will happen, will happen. And so we see this with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, how even his birth is so closely tied with the prophecies in the Old Testament. Even when we look at his life and even his death and his resurrection, we're going to see, you know, again and again, what the Old Testament prophets, what they anticipated, what they wrote about, what they prophesied about. And then we see it coming to fruition in Christ in the New Testament. And so I want to encourage us in this this first point that this king, this king of the Jews, right, this savior, our our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that his coming into the world, right, at Christmas, right, it was anticipated, it was expected, and it came to pass. And as we read these promises of scripture, one of the things that we know again and again, always, is that we can trust in our Lord. We can trust in his promises. We can trust in the promises that we see in the scriptures. And we trust that he has a plan. Just like we see this plan of redemptive history unfolding. He has a plan for his people. He has a plan for the world. He has a plan for his church. And to be honest, he has a plan for every single one of us today. And we trust in his plan. We trust in his sovereignty. And we trust in him, ultimately. I mean, we look at this redemptive history. We look at the plan of God. And we see, even for sinners like us, we see, obviously, the birth of our Savior. And we know the life that he lives, the death that he dies. And we know that that changes everything for us. And so we we trust him. And we, and we love him. We worship him. And so we see the anticipation of the king. But the secondly, really, I want to look at today also the response to the king. The response to the king. And when we look at today's passage, there's really three responses, I think, that we see. We see Herod's response. We see the response of the chief priests, the scribes. And we see the response of the wise men. And as we look at these, these three responses we see first Herod. Now we, we look at King Herod and it says here in uh, chapter two of our past, in our past chapter two in verse one, it says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, 
the king. Behold, wise men came from the east. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asked, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it arose, and when we have come to worship him. Now, in verse 3, what we see is when King Herod hears this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, a little background about Herod. He has been in charge about 40 years at this point, where he is under, obviously, the authority of the Romans, but he is in charge of this area where, you know, where the, where the Jews are. And he, from everything that I read, was paranoid. He was a bit vicious. And, you know, he, he was jealous. And he did some things that you know, were impressive. And yet he also just things so that were, there's some things that were terrible, including, you know, uh, punishing, killing those that he felt opposed him or people that he didn't trust. Uh, I was reading that he even killed his wives, his children, some of them, because he didn't trust them. I mean, he was paranoid. And so for someone like this, hearing from these wise men that came from the East about a king of the Jews that was to be born, obviously this is going to bother him. It says here, it was troubling to him. Now, it said that, Others in all of all of Jerusalem really were also troubled with him. And I think that is because maybe these people didn't know how Herod would respond. So they were troubled by this. And Herod, he wants to know where is this, this supposed king of the Jews? Where is he going to be born? That's why he gets the chief priests, he gets the scribes to come and tell him about it. And then he he secretly tells the wise men to go to ascertain, right, where where this child is and to tell him. So now he says he wants to worship this child, but really what does he want to do? And we see this later uh, in chapter two, but he, he wants to kill the child. He wants to end the threat that he sees that he thinks could come to him through this child. He wants to end any threat to his rule, to his authority, to his power. And so really the first response we see is opposition. We see, hostility, right? We, we see someone in Herod who opposes the king of the Jews, right? Who opposes Jesus, somebody who is hostile towards him and who wants to, to hurt him. And as we think about this response, I think there, even today, there are those who are hostile, who are opposed to Christ, to his church, to his people. And, and I trust in everyone today in our, in our service that you know, maybe hopefully that doesn't really describe any of us here today, but there are all those I think in our society who, who still are very opposed to the idea of Jesus, to the person of Christ. They may not even believe in Christ and yet they're opposed to Christ. And there's a certain hostility to his church, to his people, to everything that Jesus stands for. And for us today, maybe we may not be opposed, or maybe not be even be hostile to Christ. However, when we think about Jesus as our Lord, as our King, you know, I think there may be sometimes some opposition to that, where we don't want Jesus to be the one who has full authority over our lives, where we, we want to be in charge of our own lives, where we want the authority. We don't want to give him the authority. So I hope if that, if that is us today, that we will recognize that Jesus, yes, he's our savior, but he's also our Lord. He is our king. 
and we want to truly submit to him and we want to live a life that is pleasing, that is honoring to him. But not only do we see this response of Herod, of hostility, of opposition, we see a second response. The second response we see is with the chief priests, with the scribes. And when we look at the passage, Herod goes to them. Right, verse 4, he assembles them. He says here, he assembles all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he inquires of them where the Christ was to be born. Now, they respond, and they tell him, he is in Bethlehem of Judea, right? So they're saying, look, Jesus, well, I guess they don't call him Jesus, but that this king of the Jews, the Christ, he's to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. And they even quote the prophet Micah, and they say he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And they talk about how out of Bethlehem, right, there is going to come a ruler. And, and so Herod hears this, and obviously he responds accordingly. But the thing that is interesting and, and sad, I think in some ways, is these chief priests, these scribes, they, they were the, the leaders, right? They were the religious leaders of, of the Jews, right? Of, of the Jewish people. The chief priests obviously had significant standing. They were supposed to be in charge of the, the worship. The, the scribes, they're not just people that are writing down, you know, the passages of the Old Testament. These are teachers of the law. These are, these are experts of the law. The chief priests, the scribes, these are people that really should have known the word of God at the time, the whole Old Testament, and just, they should have been experts. They are experts. And they. this question was very easy for them because they obviously know the Old Testament. And yet after they tell Herod this information, that's it. One would think once they hear these wise men coming and talking about, you know, where are you? Where's the king of the Jews? And once they talk to Herod, maybe they might be intrigued. Maybe they might want to go to Bethlehem themselves. Maybe they might want to accompany the wise men just to check it out, to see what are they talking about? What is this king of the Jews? Right? What is this star that they're talking about? You know, we want to check it out. Is Could this be true? You would think maybe they might have some curiosity, some intrigue, there might be some interest. But from everything we see in the passage, there's nothing. There's indifference. There's no care no desire to, to dig in a little deeper, to find out for themselves. There seems to be a, just an apathy and an indifference to the birth of the King, to the birth of Christ, to the birth of our Savior. And I think, as I read this passage, as I think about how this connects to us, I think maybe it says a lot about where even maybe a lot of us might be today. I think often there is an indifference in the people of God to, to Christ. You know, we, we, we may know all these passages of scripture. We may know the Christmas story. We may have read, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and we may have read even the prophecies in the Old Testament concerning Christ. And we may have studied it, we may have memorized it. And maybe every Christmas season, we, you know, we read these passages, we hear these passages, we hear sermons about these passages. And, and maybe we go, yeah, that, that sounds good. You know, that sounds great. You know, maybe, you know, we know about Jesus, his, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. And yet maybe these things don't really impact our lives at all. Maybe there's a certain indifference in our lives to Jesus. 
there's a certain apathy when we look at our at our spiritual lives or as a Christian at our Christian lives or at our, at our Christian walk. Maybe there is an indifference, an apathy, a lack of care. Maybe we don't really care to worship. Maybe we don't really care to to find out more about who Jesus is and to grow a deeper relationship with him. Maybe there is no real desire in our hearts, in our lives, to live a life that truly pleases him, that honors him. And I don't know where you are today, but I, I want to encourage us that if there is an indifference in our lives, if there is an apathy in our lives, if we know about Jesus and if we just don't seem to care and if we just don't seem to let our knowledge of Christ transform our lives and really control right, and rule everything that we do, I want to really challenge us today to remember this Christmas season, who Jesus is, why he came, what it means for us to be able to say that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. As you think about the fact that Christ came into the world and he just changed everything through his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, everything in our life has changed. And as you think about that, I hope, I pray that we would not be indifferent. We would not be apathetic, but that we would treasure Christ, that we would worship him and we would honor him and live a life that is pleasing to him. And so we looked at the anticipation of the king. And now we're looking at the response to the king. We're looking at a response of opposition, of hostility, a response of indifference, of apathy. But thirdly, lastly, in our response, we see a response of joy and a response of worship, response of worship to the king. Now, this is obviously, truly the, the proper response to the king to our Lord, to our Savior. But as we look at the passage, let's look at, let's look at these wise men. They, they come from the east. And the first thing they say when they get to Jerusalem is, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to, he says here, worship him. Right. So we just start off the bat. He says, we, we're, here, we're here to worship the king who has been born. Now, this then begs the question, well, who are these wise men? You know, and, and really the word for wise men here is magi. And who, who are these magi? Who are these wise men from the East? Now, a lot of scholars, and as I was studying this passage, there's definitely some debate and a lot of things have been written about these wise men, these, these magi that are coming from the East. And there's not a whole lot of agreement necessarily because Matthew, doesn't say a lot. He doesn't say a lot about them. We know that they came from the east, and we know that they saw a star, and they seems to follow the star, and they came to Jerusalem to worship the king. Now, you know, some people think you know these these wise men, these magi are from Persia. Some people think they're from Babylon, maybe from Egypt, from the Arabian desert. Um, but but there's no real solid evidence of anything. Uh, we, we, we just don't know. We just know they're coming from the East. And then the question becomes, well, what is the star? You know, some people think there is some kind of planetary conjunction, maybe with Jupiter and Saturn, or just planetary conjunction, or maybe it's a comet, you know, maybe it's a star. I and mean, me personally, I want to take the passage at face value where it says, 
they saw a star. I, it seems to me that God is doing something supernatural. And, you know, we, there's the star that is leading, that is guiding these wise men. But also, who were these wise men? We, we know nothing about them. We don't know where they were born. We don't know, you know, what they did. We don't know where they died. We, we know nothing besides what we see here in the book of Matthew. Now, uh, when we look at Magi, wise men, we look at the book of Daniel, you know, we see them there. But, but at this point, you know, they could have been a lot of different things. And so some people think they were astrologers, maybe astronomers, maybe they did some magic. We, we just don't really know. We don't know much about them. But it does seem they were wealthy from the gifts that they brought. It does seem that they were people of some influence and authority. So these are wise men coming from the East. Um, they probably know astrology and maybe astronomy. They seem to have some political, maybe religious. So they seem to have influence and they're here. But really, Matthew's big thing here is not so much who they are, where they came from, or any of these other details. What, what is his point? The point he wants to make is they're here to do what? They're here to worship the king. They're here to worship Jesus. So they come, they say, we, we, we want to worship him. Now, Herod obviously um, tells them a little bit more about what he's heard about them. Now, Herod wants them to tell him after they find, you know, this king, you know, all about him, but they don't want to talk to him after that. But instead, they, they're on their way to Bethlehem. And it says here in the passage again, in verse 8 and verse 9, that the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So, they, so the star brings them to Jesus. And it says here in verse 10, I love how it's put, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It's like joy times four, right? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They were ecstatic. They were so joyful seeing the star. And then it says in verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. All right, so they came to worship him. Then they see the star. They're getting excited even more as they're going to see this this king, right? There's so much joy. And as soon as they see the child, what do they do? They fall down. They worship. And then they open their treasures and they offer him gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. And what are they doing? They're so excited to worship the king. Now, one thing here I do want to say is, I know a lot of times in Christmas time, we think of Jesus being born in the manger and we see you know, the shepherds are coming and then we see the wise men are coming. And it says in verse 11 that they went into the house and most scholars think that this, this incident of the wise men coming to see Jesus happened much later than you know, the birth of Christ. They think maybe months later or maybe even a year later. But the point is that you know, those nativity scenes, then it's wrong, right? There was no shepherds and wise men coming at the same time. Shepherds came much earlier. The wise men came later. They're at this point not in the manger. They're in a house. But again, the main point Matthew wants to make is why are they here? They came to worship. They were filled with joy. And when they saw the child, they fall down, they worship, they open their treasures and they offer it the gold, the frankincense and the myrrh. 
Why? Because they're so excited to worship. Now, how much do they really know about Jesus? Do they truly understand his divinity? Do they truly understand that he is the Lord, the Savior? Again, we are not told these things. Uh, there's obviously some doubt that they understood all of this. And yet, even if they didn't understand all that, they, they want to worship this king. They, they see him as superior. There, there's something about him. They want to bring these treasures to him. They want to worship him. And it is a reminder to us. It is a reminder to us today, what is the proper response to the king? What is a proper response to Jesus as you see his birth, as we see his life, his death, his resurrection? It is worship. That is the only response that is acceptable. That is the only response that is appropriate for us when it comes to Christ. We look at these wise men, they have traveled far. Scholars think they traveled so far from the east to get to even to Jerusalem. They, you know, scholars think that they probably had, you know, many, maybe a caravan of, 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 of servants and others that, that came with them. Also, we, we don't even know how many people, how many wise men there were. I know a lot of people think there were three of them because of the three gifts, but to be honest, it could have been two, it could have been three, it could have been 10, it could have been 20, 30, 40. We don't know. We don't know how many they were, but what we do know is they came to worship and they brought these expensive gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And there's some debate about the, symb the symbolic nature of these gifts. Some scholars think they're just nice gifts, expensive gifts they brought for, you know, for the king. Uh, some scholars think, you know, there's a, some there's some symbolic meaning to these gifts, whether the wise men knew it or not. The gold is for, you know, for royalty for the king. That frankincense is for divinity, right? Because obviously Christ is divine; He is God. And myrrh is for, you know, to show His humanity. And obviously, we know myrrh later is used um, during His burial. And obviously, then we think of the more and we think of why Christ came into the world. He came to die, for to live, and then to die for the sake of His people. But what we see here is we see these wise men. They come. They come to worship. They come with expensive gifts. They fall down before the king. And it, it's a reminder to us. When we think of Jesus during this Christmas season, when we think of our Lord, our Savior, who came into this world humbly, right? He was born in a manger. When we think of all that he went through, he lived a perfect life the sufferings that he went through. When we think about his birth, but also his life, his death, his resurrection. When we think about our Savior who came into the world to live and to die for the sake of his people, to go to the cross, to suffer the death that we deserve, to forgive us of our sins, to give us eternal life. When we think about all of these things, how can we not want to worship him? How can we not want to bring our best, right, our gifts? How can we not want to bring our hearts, our lives, everything that we have to him and say, Lord, use me for your glory? How can we not want to fall down and worship him, to give him all that we have, to offer up our lives to him and to say, Lord, I want to live a life that truly is honoring and pleasing to you. And so that is my encouragement today that as we think about our Lord, 
our Savior, our King. He who was anticipated, right, as we first talked about, you know, throughout the whole Old Testament, right, he was anticipated and he came into this world. How are we going to respond? Are we going to respond with hostility? Are we going to respond with indifference? Or are we going to respond with worship? And, and my hope, my prayer, is that all of us, as we think about Christ during this Christmas season, think about his birth, think about his life, his death, his resurrection, as you think about him, I, I pray, I trust that we would all just have joy, that we'd be filled with joy knowing who Jesus is, all that he has done, why he came, and that we would respond to him with worship unto him, knowing how good, how lovely, how amazing he is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.